Chapter Three of the Great White Queen by William LeCue. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Tom Weiss. Chapter Three, Outward Bound. How, trembling lest we should be discovered, we left Eastbourne by train two hours later. Kuaga joining the train at Polegate so as to avoid notice. How the Grand Vizier of Mo purchased our travelling necessities in London how we travelled to Liverpool by the night mail, and how we embarked upon the steamer Gambia, it is unnecessary to relate in detail. Suffice it to say that within twenty-four hours of meeting the big negro we were safely on board the splendid mail steamer, where everything was spick and span. Kuaga had engaged the cabin for exclusive use, and the captain himself had evidently ascertained that Omar was a person of importance, for in passing us on deck he paused to chat affably and express a hope that we should find the voyage a pleasant one. "'Your colored servant has told me your destination,' he said, addressing Omar. "'We can't land you there on account of the surf, but I understand a boat from shore will be on the lookout. If it isn't, well, you'll have to go on to Cape Coast Castle.' "'The boat will be in readiness,' Omar said, smiling. "'If it isn't, those in charge will pay dearly for it. You know what I mean.' The captain laughed, drew his finger across his throat, and nodded. "'Yes,' he said. "'I've heard that in your country life is held cheap. I fancy I'd rather be on my bridge than a resident in the Naya's capital. But I see I'm wanted. Good-bye,' and he hurried away to shout some order to the men who were busy stowing the last portion of the cargo. As we leaned over the rail watching the bustle on board the steam-tender that lay bobbing up and down at our side, we contemplated the consternation of old Trigger when he found us missing. No doubt a hue and cry would be at once raised, but as several persons we knew had seen us walking towards the Bell Trout, it would without a doubt be surmised that we had been drowned while bathing. The only thing we regretted was that we had not left some portion of our clothing on the beach to give verisimilitude to the suggestion. However, we troubled ourselves not one whit about the past. I was glad to escape from the doom of the gas-lit cellar, and was looking forward with keen anticipation to a new life in that mystic country, Africa. At last there was shouting from the bridge, the tender cast off, the bell in the engine-room gave four strokes, the signal for full speed ahead, and ere long we were steaming past that clanging beacon the bell-boy and heading for the open sea. The breeze began to whistle around us, the keen-eyed old pilot tightened his scarf around his throat, and carefully we sped along past the skerries until we slowed off Holyhead, where he shook hands with the captain, and with a hearty good-bye swung himself over the bulwarks into the heavy old boat that had come alongside. Thus was severed the last link that bound us to England. Standing up in his boat he waved us a farewell, while our captain, his hands behind him, took charge of the ship and shouted an order. Ting-ting, ting-ting, sounded the bell below, and a moment later we were moving away into the fast-falling night. For a long time we remained on deck with Kuaga, watching the distant shore of whales fade into the banks of mist, while now and then a brilliant light would flash its warning to us, and then die out again as suddenly as it had appeared. We had plenty of passengers on board, mostly merchants and their families going out to the coast, one or two government officials, engineers and prospectors, and during the first night all seemed bustle and confusion. Stewards were ordered here and there, 
loud complaints were heard on every side threats were made to report trivialities to the captain and altogether there was plenty to amuse us next day however when we began to bow gracefully to the heavy swell of the atlantic the majority of the grumblers were glad enough to seek the comfort and privacy of their berths and to remain there for during the two days that followed the waves ran mountains high the wind howled the bulkheads creaked and the vessel made plunges so unexpectedly that to stand was almost impossible the great waves seemed to rush upon us as we ploughed our way through them sometimes burying our bows in foam and at others striking us and lifting us high up the shock almost causing us to stop the roar of the tempest seemed deafening the ship's bell tolled with regularity but no one appeared in the saloon and it seemed as if the cook in his galley had little if anything to do never mind i heard one officer say to another as they lounged outside their cabins off duty it'll give em their sea-legs and the weather will be all right the other side of the bay both laughed sailors seemed to enjoy the discomforts of passengers during those two days i think we were the only passengers who spent the whole day on deck kuaga was a poor sailor and was in his bunk horribly bad when we visited him the whites of his eyes seemed perfectly green this was my first taste of a storm and i must confess that i did not enjoy it i was not ill but experienced a feeling the reverse of comfortable through all however i congratulated myself that i had actually left england and was about to commence life in a new land the officer whose words i had overheard proved a prophet for after three days of bad weather we ran into blue water calm as a mill-pond the sun shone out warm and bright as quickly as the spirits of the passengers had fallen they rose again and a round of gaiety commenced that continued unbroken until we left the vessel we touched at funchal a pretty town of white villas half hidden by the surrounding greenery and with others went ashore but we were not there more than a couple of hours for soon the blue peter was run to our masthead as signal that the ship was about to sail and we were compelled to re-embark then a gun was fired on board the crowd of small craft around us that had put out for the purpose of selling the passengers bananas live birds etc sheered off and very soon we had restarted on our southward voyage ere long having passed the snow-capped peak of teneriffe of which we had heard so much at triggers we entered the region of the trade winds and the steamer aided by its sails that were now spread held rapidly on its course rounding cape verde for a day we anchored off bathurst then steamed away past the many rocky islands off the coast of guinea until we touched freetown the capital of that unhealthy british colony sierra leone anchoring there we discharged some cargo resuming our voyage in a calm sea in perfect weather and carefully avoiding the dangerous shoals of st anne we passed within sight of Cherborough island a british possession and also sighted cape mount which omar told me was in the independent republic of liberia for several days after this we remained out of sight of land until one afternoon just about tea-time the captain came up to us saying we shall make the mouth of the lehu river in about two hours so you'd better be prepared to leave i'll keep a good lookout for your boat have you had a pleasant voyage very we both replied in one voice glad of that he said and turning to omar added you'll look after me if ever i get up country as far as mo won't you of course my friend answered laughing 
if you come you shall have a right royal welcome come at any time you'll have nothing to fear when once inside the borders of my mother's country ah well perhaps i'll come some day when i retire on my pension and set up as an african chief eh we all laughed and he ascended the steps again to the bridge kuaga in the meantime was busy collecting our things giving gratuities to the stewards and otherwise making preparations to leave for over two hours we eagerly watched in the direction of shore being assisted by a crowd of passengers who had by this time learnt that we were to be taken off the shore which slowly came into view as our eager eyes scanned the horizon was the ivory coast but the sun sank in a glorious blaze of crimson and dusk crept on yet the captain whose glasses continually swept the sea could distinguish no boat approaching us i'm afraid he shouted to us from the bridge their lookout is not well kept we'll have to take you along to cape coast after all why not fire a gun captain suggested kuaga his words being interpreted by omar very well he answered and turning to the officer he gave orders that the signal gun should be fired three times at intervals presently there was a puff of white smoke and the first loud report rang out making the vessel quiver beneath us we waited listening but there was no response the light quickly faded night cast her veil of darkness over the sea but we still stood in for the coast again about half-past nine the gun belched forth a tongue of flame and the report sounded far over the silent waters all was excitement on deck for it was a matter of speculation whether an answering shout or gunshot could be heard above the roar and throbbing of the engines ten eleven o'clock passed and presently the third gun was exploded so suddenly that the ladies were startled again we listened but could hear nothing kuaga fumed and cursed the evil spirit for our misfortune while omar finding that we were to be taken to cape coast castle imparted to me his fear that the fortnight's delay it must necessarily entail would be fatal to his mother's plans we were hanging over the taffrail together gazing moodily into the darkness having given up all hope of getting ashore at the lehu river when suddenly about half a mile from us we saw a flash and the report of a rifle reached us quite distinctly followed by distant shouting there they are cried omar excitedly they've hailed us at last but ere the words had fallen from his lips we heard the bell in the engine-room ringing and next second the steam was shut off and we gradually hove to kuaga was at our side almost immediately and we found ourselves surrounded by passengers taking leave of us our boxes were brought up by a couple of sailors and after about a quarter of an hour's wait during which time the vessel rose and fell with a swell the craft that had hailed us loomed up slowly in the darkness amid the excited jabber of her demoniac-looking crew she was a large native vessel brig-rigged and as dirty and forbidding-looking a craft as you could well see anywhere kuaga hailed one of the black half-clad men on board receiving a cheery answer and presently having taken leave of the captain and those around us we climbed over the bulwarks and sprang upon the deck of the mysterious ship as omar alighted the whole crew made obeisance to him afterwards crowding around me examining me by the lurid light of the torches they had ignited very quickly however several boxes belonging to kuaga were lowered the moorings were cast off and slowly the great mail steamer with its long line of brilliantly lit ports looking picturesque in the night moved onward 
"'Good-bye!' shouted a voice from the steamer. "'Good-bye!' I responded, and as the steamer's bell again rang out full speed ahead, I knew that the last tie that bound us to European civilization was severed. End of chapter 3 Recording by Tom Weiss TomsAudiobooks.com